Job ready? Employer says yes. This programme is presented by Eduvate, education and innovation. I'm Jonathan Brill. In the show today, we report on a recent survey about jobs in the oil and gas industry. We talk to Dr. Mike Spearman of CMC Associates, who make exhibits for the heritage industries, that's museums and the like. And finally, a report on how jargon in job adverts is putting off young people. In a recent survey in the US, Of 1,200 young Americans, 62% of teens aged 16 to 19 say a career in oil and gas is unappealing. That includes 39% who say a career in oil and gas is very unappealing. It seems too from the survey that the older you are, it's kind of more acceptable. The numbers are slightly different among millennials, that's those born since the late 1980s. 45% of those aged 20 to 35 said they are attracted to oil and gas jobs, while 44% are not. So it's a bit better, but not fabulous. So what lies behind these findings? They suggest that big oil's environmental challenges are a huge negative. Note well, Mr Trump... Also, the boom-to-bust nature of the industry, high oil prices one day, very low the next, have created a stigma, and this will make it difficult to attract talent in the future. The younger generations add, we see the oil industry's careers as unstable, blue-collar, difficult, dangerous and harmful to society. Come on, guys, get off the fence. So let's be clear. The bright minds of tomorrow want to pursue careers at Tesla, not ExxonMobil. And now, we caught up with Dr Mike Spearman at the Edinburgh offices of his company, CMC Associates. It's a fascinating company. And we asked him, it says on your website you are pioneering specialists in the visualisation and delivery of the complex cultural Heritage Projects. That's quite a mouthful. So, for young people looking to plan a lifetime of jobs, could you explain this further? Interpreting heritage projects is a bit like telling stories. Um, You're developing the best parts of the complex history of of human culture into the form of uh, storytelling for various age groups, and population groups. So you're needing to work out what parts of the story are going to be appealing and to develop them in such a way that the public engage with their history or indeed the history of the people that they're visiting. We've seen a lot of significant technology-driven changes. Can you outline how these affected your company? Well, we were brought in to begin to look at this form of storytelling when the technologies of portable computers started in the mid-90s. So we've been involved in storytelling on technology and other platforms for almost 20 years now, over 20 years. Um, 
and over that period we've seen very remarkable changes in technology so it's almost a continuum there is no point at which technology has so far been seen to stabilize uh, every few years perhaps every five years we're seeing significant step changes in the technology and the platforms and behavior of the users changes but what doesn't change is the storytelling itself the content and the quality of the stories remains uh, the key to the success the technology is simply the platform whereby we deliver it to the public so with the people you employ what sort of skills are you looking for fundamentally it is uh, an aptitude towards dealing with rich information um, be that visual information textual information um, audio information the capacity to actually tell stories across different media remains a quite challenging process um, so one of one of the key skill sets is to be able to pull together and master the tools of st- telling stories uh, in in multiple media that's that's the key to the success of our business so how would a young person whether they're at university or somewhere else begin to prepare for a job with you it's interesting at what point people acquire different skills um, technology seems to be readily acquirable um, by some people that's uh, fairly um, self-taught to a certain extent or can be um, and that is that simply learned technical skill um, the next stage on from that is to apply that skill set to rich content and that's a taught skill um, it's commonly taught at school and university um, mastering of information but more importantly ordering that information and structuring it so that you've got the opportunity to construct a view of the information that you've assimilated and are capable of expressing that view coherently and intelligently and now do you look at a job advert and say what the figaro is that all about so there was a job advert recently banging on about slas What's an SLA? Six young job seekers considered the question. Um, said one, shaking his head. Don't have the first idea, said another. Something about learning. Uh, all hummed and hawed and looked completely flummoxed. And what is procurement? Most of the sensational six agreed. They'd heard of the word, but they didn't quite know what it meant. Ah, and what about KPIs? Again, bafflement among the six. Only one of whom knew it was a key performance indicator. And having learned that important piece of information, the world can keep on turning, our next question remains the same. What the figure was a key performance indicator? The point of this exercise, carried out recently by business in the community, that's BITC, and City and Guilds, the vocational educational organisation, was to examine what jargon does to young people looking for jobs. So good old city and guilds and good old BITC, oh yes, that's business in the community. What's the, ah, never mind. Simply, they found these organisations that jargon puts young people off. Young people look at the mess of acronyms and impenetrable words and decide the job isn't for them. But here's the kicker. The more disadvantaged they are, the more discouraged they are likely to feel. Yet I suspect jargon isn't the half of it. Even more off-putting than KPIs and SLAs 
is the sheer length of the advertisements and lack of realism of what they are demanding. This applies to jobs at all levels, from the grandest to the most mundane. Recently, Apple advertised for a thought leader, listing underneath 28 bullet points, all written in business gibberish. Solar City recently advertised for a receptionist, a mass of text extolling the values of the employer and underneath no fewer than 37 bullet points. This is for a receptionist describing the work and the persons they were after. Among the responsibilities were the following. Adhering to the company values and business principles on sustainability, equal opportunities and other policies. Constantly seeking to improve corporate and personal knowledge. What? The problem here isn't exactly jargon. It's more obscurity and vagueness. What is corporate knowledge? How does a receptionist constantly seek to improve it? Even more irritating were the 14 characteristics that the successful applicant must have, including a desire to deliver a service to your internal and external customers. What does that mean? What service are they referring to? Does it mean answering the phone, something else? So if you were a young job seeker, how would you react? Though bad, at least this job advert wasn't too full of superlatives. The most off-putting ads are the ones where even the most mundane activities are deemed extraordinary and the person required to do them exceptional. On Indeed.co.uk, a job search website, there's an advert for an, a night manager, not a role in a movie, but to work in airport lounges. Look immaculate, present a brilliant customer service to all customers, internal and external. You might think this is a bit strong, but just maybe I'll do it. Shall I do it? Then the successful candidate must lead by example, being the number one service ambassador and brand advocate, maintaining guest and staff confidence in the management and service. 10.26 an hour. That's slightly less than the Prime Minister gets. Business in the community is trying to help employers do a better job and offers a lot of sensible advice on how to write better and simpler job ads. Many employers are accepting the advice with alacrity and declaring themselves eager to mend their ways. However, the researcher in this story comments dryly, I'm not confident that the effect will be instant. On the BITC website, there's an article from an employer insisting how important it is to get rid of jargon. His title? Director of CSR and Engagement. This gets to the heart of the matter. Recruiters are so steeped in jargon, they don't see it as such and talk like this, even when they are explicitly trying not to. Come on, guys. Note to self. Communications, young people, really important. And here's a special treat for our listeners. I'm going to give you an access code which will let you look at all of the wonderful online catalogue available on Eduvate. So just go to eduvate.biz forward slash access code and enter the code job ready. Job ready. Employer says yes. Mm.